Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is our Habits Show. We're talking with meditation expert and founder of the top-ranked meditation app, One Giant Mind, Johnny Powlard. Uh, wouldn't we all like to know what is essential and what is frivolous in our lives? Maybe we think we subconsciously know, but I, for one, would be interested in really getting it out on the table. Well, Johnny was our guest in show 671, where we discussed how to free ourselves from ourselves. No surprise that a mainstay habit that you'll hear him share about is his meditating, but it was on the financial spoke where he discussed asking himself what was essential and what was frivolous that really intrigued me in this discussion. I just saw the concept as being relevant to really all the spokes of my life. I also appreciated the guiding light of his career spoke being another question. He asks himself, how can I be of best service? And mentally, another question he asks, how can I be better? It's really a show of brilliant questions from Johnny that he asks himself. Uh, you can check out Johnny's podcast and even more so his meditation app, One Giant Mind at one, O-N-E, One Giant Mind. Hey, just a shout out thanks to all of you who have been piling up the incredible ratings and beautiful reviews for The Ziggler Show in iTunes. Thank you so, so much. It's just tremendous. All right. Well, here then I bring you the successful habits of Johnny Pollard. Okay. Well, I am always interested to hear uh, everybody's habits, but being that you are who you are and you do what you do, I, I have a little uh, bigger interest in some of your habits here that we're going to go behind the scenes and get uh, Johnny. So number one, we start off, and this is just the physical and nutrition, exercise, diet, the things that you employ there. Tell us about your habits. Uh, I get up in the morning and uh, do about five minutes of yoga, a, a, a simple sequence that just moves the body in all the directions that it needs to, just to enliven it. Um, and then I jump on a bicycle and I ride down the East river of New York city of Manhattan, all the way down to battery park. So I can get a view of statue of Liberty. I reflect on the principle of Liberty <laughs> and then I get back on my bike and I, I come back and, and that's a pretty good workout. It's about 40 minutes. Um, and, uh, nutrition, I have, uh, a bowl of homemade granola that my wife makes it as far as I'm concerned, it's the best granola in the world. And, and I'll top that with just some fresh fruit, you know, so I'm getting some grains and fruit and that generally gets me through to lunchtime. Okay. All right. So no specific diet there. I mean, as far as the types of foods you eat or don't eat, uh, uh I, I'm a vegetarian. Okay. Um, and that's primarily because, uh, my body just doesn't seem to like meat. Um, I think over the years it's become also a bit of a, a moral uh, position as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my body just likes food that it can digest really quickly and easily and get the energy from. And I find that, you know, a plant-based diet really, really helps with that. I, I am a hundred percent in your camp, a uh, vegetarian one, because I never did do well that with me would do, do very well with meat. Um, but then, yeah, yeah. Culturally and environmentally. Um, uh, but my, my wife and I have adopted flexitarians. I won't, I won't not, uh, touch a meat product, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Flexitarian. I haven't heard that before, but I like that. She, she kind of goes with the 80, 20 rule. And I, you know, we have such a big family that it's difficult and, and sometimes the kids will want to get really rigid. So, uh, flexitarian. Right. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I don't think I touched meat for about gosh, 20 years and now I'm a flexitarian. So, right. uh, Family, friends, really is just relationships, Johnny, just the things that you employ. I know you are, uh, you've got your own family of three, I believe, right? Correct. And, uh, and then, but then your extended family, but just anything you do, family, friends, relationally to keep yourself well. Um, well, I, I meditate twice a day as a minimum. And what that does is ensures that I'm closely connected with my own needs and the sensitivity of the needs of those around me. The, the two people that I'm around the most are my wife and my little baby girl. And the way that I live my life is that after my basic needs of replenishing my energy have met, I dedicate myself to making sure that my wife feels supported as a mother and also as a wife, just as a person, to, to, to be there in any way that I can to be as generous with my time and energy to make her feel supported because they, as they say, you know, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. And it's really true. You know, if, if my wife has nothing to ask of me and is always just feeling a sense of deep gratitude for the support that she has from me, then that's going to be reciprocated. And what I'm doing there is nourishing the foundation of our relationship. So we live very deliberately where we, we make each other's needs priority. And uh, I would say, uh, that my wife's needs are a greater priority than my child's uh, to me because um, if all of her needs are met, her instinct as a mother taking care of our baby daughter is, is going to be there. Now, it's not to say that my baby daughter's needs are not a priority to me. They're, they're just at a very subtly, slightly lower uh, level of priority. And what I, I've noticed is that that ensures a, a, a strength and a, a solidity in uh, just smoothness and harmony in the household. Um, you know, if my wife's never having to nag me to do something, mm-hmm. um, then she's always just sort of light and effervescent and, uh, you know, joyfully tending to, you know, all of her responsibilities, particularly being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's how I live in the, in the, in the household. And we, we make it a priority to make sure that, uh, we're always available to any of our dear friends that might be in need during the week to have a heart to heart conversation about challenges that might arise in the week. And we have our nearest and dearest that we can call upon when we're challenged by life that we can share what's going on and we make it an absolute, um, priority that, we are communicating the, the depth, the truth of our experience, going into uncomfortable places, embracing vulnerability and not sucking it up and trying to pretend like nothing's happening when actually we, we might be really challenged and overwhelmed and actually just let that pressure out. And we've created a, a network of friends and family that we can do that. And there is a, a beautiful equal balanced exchange uh, where all of that's being shared and as a result, you know, we have a really healthy, open, honest, truthful um, dynamic between us. And, you know, th- this is absolutely essential for well-being, to be able to share fully, you know, what's going on 
irrespective of, you know, how bad, you know, you might have behaved in some circumstance to confront it and to resolve it and to grow from it. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to make a quick deviation here, Johnny, because you brought me back to something that I actually had down for our main interview and we didn't get to it. But in your book, The Golden Sequence, you actually talk about, and this has to do with what you just talked about, your network of friends and family. You talked about an evolutionary mismatch uh, with the hunter-gatherers to agricultural uh, mm -hmm. communities. And uh, just to, I'll, I'll do a quick paraphrase of the, uh, back in the hunter-gatherer mode of, of long ago, we had small tribes, and you say of 20 to 40 people, they relied on each other. Now we have tribes of, I mean, you're in Manhattan. There's untold millions of people there. And we are, we know statistically it's true that we are less connected, less intimate uh, with people and, and relationships than we used to have. It reminds me of Dan Buettner's book, The Blue Zone Solutions. And he talked about the strength of community in these blue zones where people were happier, healthier, lived longer, lived better quality right. of lives. And the blue zone solution was you're going to have to create your own blue zone, your own group, which you just talked about doing. Mm. Uh, and I was going to ask you in the show and I will just, um, throw it to you a little bit when you talk about that. I know there's a lot of people who hear that say, man, that sounds great. How do I do that? I have a family. They take up my time. I go to work. I may or may not have coworkers, may or may not like coworkers. And I don't know how to step out and create that network that you spoke to. Um, any thoughts on that? Johnny. Start with your immediate family. Don't go, don't necessarily go looking to add anything in. You, you've got people around you. It's, it's, it's basically just showing up and heartfully listening to the experience that they're having, your partner, your children, you know, relinquishing the need for a moment to be heard mm -hmm. and lend the generosity of your t attention to your loved ones to listen to what they're experiencing and just acknowledge and validate what they've heard. Quite often we can listen to each other in some kind of autopilot, some, some sort of robotic mode where we're just like, mm-hmm, 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 or our response is more a reaction. You know, our partner might be entrenched in some mode of resentment, anger, jealousy, frustration, and quite often we can throw fuel on that fire by not listening with our hearts, but listening with our own frustration, resentment, anger, and jealousy or whatever, and exacerbate the problem and, and, and not necessarily create a, a dynamic where there's growth and progress through that experience, rather just, you know, enabling and, and, and causing repetition, cyclic repetition of things that are undesirable in our life. Yeah. Whereas we, we take the time to, to listen with our heart and to consider how, we might be able to frame our experiences from the perspective of love and growth and progress. Um, we, we can be an extremely valuable um, perspective contributor to the lives of everybody around us uh, with the wisdom that we have innately within us when we do listen from the heart and be considered for a moment to observe our own reactions to stories that we hear from our loved ones and go, hmm, my instinct might be to, to react here, but actually I think we need to take a deeper perspective here and to share what we, what we know and remind each other. If we're not reminding each other, the ones we love the most of our deepest nature of love, then who's going to do it for us? You know, if we're not there to bolster and strengthen and nurture the love in our hearts for each other, 
if we can't do that with our nearest and dearest, how are we going to achieve that out in the world? And so for me and my family and my, my dearest friends, uh, this, is, this is at the highest priority. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, as high a priority as the way in which I treat my family and I interact with my family as I described earlier. And just by doing that, the sense of belonging and all the things that we yearn for in terms of the depth and richness of relationships just naturally occurs. Yeah. It just naturally happens because you're taking the time, you're becoming that person that another person can rely on to really come and connect with and share and have a, a meaningful exchange with. And there's nothing more precious as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you. That's why I, I felt called to pull that out. I do want to uh, call people's attention. If you didn't hear show 651 with Oscar Tremboli on deep listening, you spoke to a lot of that, of just listening, listening to truly hear and understand. And uh, Oscar really walked us through some of the key points of how to do that, why to do, well, I guess you just gave us a lot of the why, but uh, I really call folks, if you didn't hear Show 651, do that. Well, thank you, Johnny. So the third spoke here is mental. And, uh, you know, I, I think some of your, your thunder is stolen here. I bet you meditate. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but tell us about that for the mental spoke, what you do to keep yourself mentally uh, well, and if there's anything in addition to that. Absolutely, there is. So meditation is the, is the given. Of course. Um, and I do that twice a day. Uh, but the other thing that I do to stimulate myself mentally is to review what it is that I'm doing, and to ask the question, how can I be more refined? How can this process be more elegant? How can I do less to achieve more? Uh, how can I perhaps be more inclusive uh, in, in areas where I might be excluding someone or something? Um, and what that does is it stimulates my mind in a way that is expressive of my deepest nature, which is to be creative. Uh, you know, that creative intelligence that I talked about in our previous episode, I, I, I'm always seeking to, to create uh, opportunities for that creative intelligence to be expressive in the most dynamic, coherent and effective way and an elegant way. Ele elegance is a really great word there. Yeah. And I'm always trying to you know, make what's happening inside my mind as elegant as possible. And so reflecting on ways in which I can bring simplicity to complexity, um, resolution and unity to disparity. Uh, the, these are little simple mental exercises that I enable myself to indulge in um, conceptually. And then, you know, I quite often arrive at really wonderful insights that, I, 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 that are actionable. And then I put them into action and, you know, great things come of it. I'm not going to go down another rabbit trail, but folks, just as a testimony to Johnny, words that you use that are not in my common vernacular, elegance, innocence, effortless, effortless. You, you use a lot in the app. Those are words that I am. I'm a, I'm a logophile. I'm a lover of words, admittedly. And, uh, I'm going to ponder on those. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Thank you. Thank you for bringing those to light. Uh, you're welcome. There's a lot of gold in those. Three I words. like those. Um, <laughs> the fourth one, fourth spoke here is financial. What are the habits that you employ for your financial health? Um, in, in this phase of my life, uh, you know, with, with a new baby, um, I think I'm thinking about money and finances uh, in, a, in a really different light. 
thinking more about, you know, what is essential, what is frivolous, you know, what do we actually really need here? Um, I think that there is an immense value in feeling financially secure. Um, worrying about money is very debilitating. It's like having a bad back that you can't fix, yeah. um, you know, or it's just always aching, you know, financial insecurity and worry is, is, a, is a really big thing. Um, and so I'm thinking more about um, how, how I can create um, more financial security by not necessarily always just going and getting what I want and just asking, you know, what do we, what do we really need here? Uh, and this also translated to um, just my own personal pursuit for, um, uh, you know, being relevant in the world and contributing something meaningful. You know, there's this, this whole paradigm of bigger is better and, you know, try and make the biggest and most profitable company you can because then you can really have impact when you've got all that money. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I've really challenged that, that idea and I don't buy into it at all anymore. I think that you can have massive impact in the world without necessarily going and trying to make a multi-zillion dollar company. Um, and I actually think that the less people you have to answer to, the less people that, you know, that you have to manage and the more time you get to focus on your message, uh, the better and the more impactful you can be. And so uh, I'm thinking more very pragmatically about what I need um, and the, 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 the impact that I, I can have in the world. And then I go, right, how do I go about getting that? rather than just trying to go for this massive lump sum of money, you know, yeah. and, and going, right, I've got all that money now. Everything's fine. It's, to me, that's, it's really fluffy and kind of chubby. Uh, I want to get, get really sort of uh, muscularly taut and ripped um, and refined in that way. And so thinking about what do I need in order to get this next phase done and part of that is feeling financially secure. So having enough in the bank to just make me feel um, secure. Yeah. And, and what that does, that, that's also translated in me not working as hard and as much. You know, I still work diligently and I'm still very committed to what I do. Um, but I'm, I'm not just hell-bent at going out there and working so hard to make as much money as possible because yeah. it just doesn't translate to anything necessarily that ultimately is good and sustainable for my, for my well-being. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Fifth spoke is spiritual. Tell us about that side of your life. Uh, for me, spirituality and humanity are interchangeable. I believe that who we are as human beings essentially are spiritual beings. And um, my spirituality is expressed through the cultivation of my humanity. How can I be a kind, loving, caring, generous, supportive, um, useful being in this world? And that is, the, that is the end game of spirituality. We cultivate spirituality, as far as I'm concerned, so that we can be more of that in the world. And I find that um, when I, I am conscious of how I can be more of that, those, those qualities that I just expressed um, in my daily interactions, I find that my, my spirituality, my awareness of the spirit of my humanity, which is, you know, loving kindness, um, comes to life. It's lit up through the practical application of just bringing myself into, 
interactions on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, holding myself accountable when I am being critical and judgmental and excluding and, you know, I know you're a Christian, you know, reflecting on the teachings of Christ and how he brought himself into the world and really looking at it from a very pragmatic, because I think Jesus' teachings are very, very practical, you know, very simple, pragmatic. And, um, you know, just living like that, like a Christian. But, you know, a Buddhist would attest to the same thing, sure. essentially, sure. just coming at it from a slightly different angle. And a, 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 a Muslim would, would say the same thing. Any religion, any tradition that, you know, takes into consideration that our deepest nature is love, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we're going to find a confluence there. And so um, see, seeing the unity in things and as opposed to the differences in things is um, something that I am particularly massaging as a spiritual practice, particularly in these times right now, because it's, it's, it's the things that we define ourselves by that make us different that I think are creating more problems than, than um, a, a providing solution. Whereas when we focus on what unifies us, what we share in common and the responsibility we have to nurturing that commonality, that universality, we find a lot more wisdom and and solution in that. That's a, that's a sentence worth pondering for the rest of the day for all of us. I think seeing unity more than differences. Thank you. Thank Mm. you for implanting that Mm. six spoke Johnny is career. And you spoke to that somewhat in the financial spoke of where you are right now in, uh, uh, and so I think you said in, in paraphrase the working, you know, diligently working smart, not necessarily more, bigger, greater, but uh, speak to us. Yeah. About what the things that you're employing in your career to keep yourself well and on track. Yeah. Career career for me is how can I be of best service? You know, my career choices have always been led by that. And you know, what, how can I bring what I have to the world in the most dynamic way that might also um, be a vehicle for me to um, generate revenue <laughs> to, you know, um, support a lifestyle that I enjoy. Yeah. And um, I, I believe that the world is full of need right now. And um, there are ways of, bringing what you have to the world to meet those needs, to be a solution to those needs um, and to um, make money um, to, 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 to exist in this world and flourish in this world. And, um, and so I think while ever I am, you know, fearlessly serving need um, my needs are always met. That, that's been the, the philosophy that I've lived by um, and I wouldn't say that I'm a career person, but that has been my career. Sure. It, it really has. And it's, uh, I've flourished up until this day in that respect, um, living by that, that philosophy. And that's what I always teach. And um, it's certainly the most fulfilling. What it, what it ensures is maximum fulfillment, you know. And the, the, the financial side of things is a secondary thing to me. Because there's only so much money we can have that's going to alleviate that worry. Yeah. You know, once we alleviate the worry, money is no source of happiness. It's no source of fulfillment. Being of service and relevance and significance in other people's lives is the greatest source of fulfillment that we could ever 
um, access. And that's, that's free. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's accessible to us now, yeah. right now. We don't need a business plan to be of service to another person. We don't need to be funded to be of service to another person. Just give somebody your attention. And, you know, so, you know, career, the reason why I, I struggle with the word career is because it, it all bleeds into one thing. Life is work. Work is life. You know, if your life is of service, then it's all one thing. You know, it's, I don't clock in and clock off, you know, um, to go to work to be of service. You know, I'm not in service for, for 10 hours a day and then I'm like, right, <laughs> I clocked off now and now I'm just going to be a hedonistic freakazoid and right. only serve my own needs. <laughs> right. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's a 24-7 deal. And as a result, the way that I live and the way that I work and all of that, it's all seamlessly cohesive as one, one whole thing. And I find that um, uh, I'm able to live and embody what it is my values are a lot easier when that's the case. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Last one here. Number seven, personal. This is the, this is, I, I, I couch this under fun, hobbies, play, the things that you do uh, just, just for you, just for joy. Yeah, I need to be creatively expressive on a on a regular basis in order to feel well. Uh, so I paint. Um, I love to listen to music. Uh, I'm 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 less talented at playing music, but I'm really talented at listening to music. I'm I I I'm a really good listener to the extent that I allow the music in to create something in me that gives rise to something creative, like a you know a particular painting or something. Um, I love spending time with friends, having deep, heartfelt conversations. Uh, obviously, the, 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 the biggest thing that brings me the greatest joy is my wife and my, my baby girl, uh, spending time with them, doing something fun, recreational, being outdoors, love skiing, love skating, snowboarding, uh, surfing, being in nature, climbing, hiking. Actually, you know, that's a really big one. Being outdoors in nature is like absolutely critical i'm living in new york city uh if we don't get a hit of nature you know every couple of weeks then you know <laughs> we're struggling yeah we really feel it yeah yes i thank you the real being a really good listener of music I, I don't think i've ever heard anybody speak that that's what i feel i don't play it uh i can sing so so but it's not a joy for me but listening we spent last night uh, listening to a new guy that we're into as a family and watch some live videos and oh, just taking it in. Yeah. It makes me a better human. So uh, yeah. thank you for putting some of my feelings into words. I appreciate it. <laughs> Pleasure, mate. Hey, thank you for giving us uh, a behind the scenes look at these daily habits. It's inspiring uh, as you are, as your messages. Uh, it's a gift. Thank you, Johnny. My pleasure, Kevin. Thank you so much. Well, hey friends, I so again like Johnny's questions to himself that lead him in his daily habits. Again, I encourage you to check out his meditation app, One Giant Mind. Michael Hyatt is using it every morning and now I'm attempting to use it every day at some point. I actually had the privilege of connecting those two, Michael Hyatt and Johnny together recently. Coming up next in show 673, we're talking about blame, such an ugly topic, but it exists and affects all of us. Hopefully we know that placing blame on anything or anyone is simply giving our power away. 
Well, Zig drives home this point with a short message and states that when we stop blaming and take full responsibility for our lives, we free ourselves up to move freely and faster. Well, hearing these truths and actually walking in them, however, are two very different things. Most of the time, blame slips in and we don't even realize we're giving our power to it. And when it comes in the form of a person, as Zig Ziglar points out, it requires forgiveness. Well, from this concept and Zig's message, I posted this question to you, the Ziglar listeners. What is something or someone you blamed that was holding you back? And now you've let go and in essence forgiven and have moved on to greater success. I believe you'll find the responses really comforting and freeing. If someone else can move beyond a well-deserved blame, so can you, so can I. Tom Ziegler joined me to talk through all these heartfelt responses. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.